thankful for that. It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, you're visiting with us. We thank you. You're our honored guest. And uh, we hope that uh, the music and praise part of this service has been pleasing unto the Lord and pleasing unto you. And uh, as we break the bread of life, we hope the Word of God speaks to you uh, and changes you for the better. Uh, we come here today because we're in need. Uh, people said, why do you come to church? Why? I need church. I don't come to church because I have arrived. I come to church because I need it. And uh, I hope that you feel the same way. John chapter number 8 is where we're going to be this morning. John chapter uh, number 8. <clears throat> when you got your spot there, just... Uh, Give me a big amen. Hallelujah. We got one person that got to John. <clears throat> John chapter number eight. And you got your spot there. And give me another amen. All right. We got a few more. <clears throat> John chapter number eight. We're going to be looking at verse number one through 11. Let me give you a little background as of where we're at here in John chapter number eight. Uh, if you're reading through the book of John, what you'll find as what just happened before we reach this break in this chapter is Jesus has just had a run in with the religious leaders. Not so much them, but the crowd, the people had began to talk about who Jesus was and uh, the Pharisees and the uh, Sadducees and all the religious leaders, they had caught wind that Jesus is drawing this crowd and people are beginning to talk saying that he's the Christ or he, he's a prophet. And they had become to get really fond of Jesus. And what we'll find is that the Pharisees, uh, they, and the, they sent officers. They're, they're trying to take Jesus and get Jesus off the streets because uh, he's teaching this doctrine and people are, are, are becoming followers and disciples of his and they're, they're not liking what they're seeing. So when, uh, when we get over to chapter number eight, let's look at verse number one. So... <clears throat> Jesus is, uh, uh, they, they begin to ask the question, has no prophet has risen out of Galilee? But now when we get to chapter number eight, look what happens. And everyone went to his own house. So people began to go home. But Jesus, he went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees, they brought to him a woman who's been caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, notice what they done. They, they drug a lady caught in adultery and they drug her in the middle of the temple. Jesus is te teaching there in the temple. Uh, so they, they brung this person into the house of bread or the house of grace and instead of showing mercy, grace, and compassion, they throw her in front of these group of religious people. And notice how they said here in verse 4, they said, Teacher, Rabbi, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. 
Now, I often say this because I want you to get the good visual in your mind was they probably did not give her time to get fixed up. They drug her the way she was uh, and threw her in the midst of all these people. So more than likely she is unclothed, thrown inside the temple to be seen before everybody for what she had done. Now notice this, keep going in verse number five. Now Moses in the law, he commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they, uh, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, uh, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And when those who heard it, being convicted of their conscience, uh, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accuser of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This morning, with God helping me, I want us to preach on warning Lights, warning lights. Let's pray. Father, in your holy name today, I come to you in need of the Spirit of God to completely move in this service, God, for without the Holy Spirit coming down to season it, God, we're just men speaking words. But God, it is by your grace, by your mercy, by your strength, by your power, by your presence, God, that these words jump off the page and begin to speak to our hearts and change our lives. I pray today that you would open our eyes to the warning lights that are all around us. Father, I pray today you would bless this service, bless those that are in attendance, change hearts, change lives. In the name of Jesus, we do humbly pray. Amen and amen. Have you ever been going down the road uh, thinking that you're going wherever, minding your business, you're having a pretty good day, but then all of a sudden a light on your dash begins to flash at you? Whether it be a pressure light that's telling you your air, your tires losing pressure, or the dreadful, this is always the dreadful, the check engine light. And when it comes on, we know that the light signifies that we need to get to a place. We need to stop. We need to check things out because there's a good possibility that if we don't get somewhere and pull over and check it out, there's a good possibility bad things could happen. How many of us ever tried to push it? 
You got the light that come on and you just try to push it. I need to get somewhere. I need to get somewhere. Sometimes we make it. Sometimes we take a small problem and it becomes a great big problem because we decided we was going to try to push it. The oil light is a big, if the oil light comes on, let me go ahead and tell you, you need to stop because more than you need to put some oil in that thing. It will not run if you don't put it will run. All right. Until it stops and then it will not run no more. But these lights, they come on and they give us this sense of warning that there's something going on, something going on with the engine, something going on with the tires, something going on inside that thing. And if you don't stop and check it out, it's going to cause problems. Everything we get today has a warning label on it. If you take medication today, if you read that label Sometimes you just want to throw it in the trash can because it's either going to kill you or make you better. Uh, Every medication I've ever read, you know, they always have two things that every medication's got. And both of them has to either not go into the bathroom or going too much. It's going to cause one or the other. Every medication you get, you look at a Tylenol bottle, may cause constipation, may cause diarrhea. You just don't know. Every one of them. But these labels, they, they, they tell us some things. Food. We buy our food. It's got a label on it. Tells us everything that's in it, what it's made of. Uh, the doctors can give us diets. The doctors can say fried food is bad for us, this and that and this. Everything has a warning with it. Many times we refuse to listen to the warning that's on the label. Many times we try to push it and keep going because we've got to get somewhere. We've got somewhere we need to be while the warning is flashing right before us. In the same sense this morning, there is some warning lights in the Word of God. There is some things in the Word of God that tells us, that throws a light in our face, uh, that if we do this, there is going to be some consequences to it. I, you know, when I, you know, God has always been a perfect gentleman. He's never forced himself on you. But he does give us some warnings. I love it that he says that if you, uh, 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 boy... He talks about giving. He says, when we give, then, we, then he's going to bless. He gives us some things, but if we don't, we're cursed with a curse. So I'm seeing people say, I can't get ahead financially. You may be under a curse. The, the, the Word of God says you're cursed with a curse. And there's other things like, uh, uh, boy, if we'll call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. But if we refuse to uh, humble ourselves and call on his name, we will not. So over and over, he gives us these these petitions that if we'll do something, he will do something. And here in the word of God today, we find a great big warning for everyone in this building today. The warning is this. Without Jesus, we are nothing more than a religious crowd. Without Jesus, you and I are nothing more than a Pharisee. Without Jesus, we're nothing more than a Sadducee. Without Jesus, we're nothing more 
than the same religious crowd that put Jesus on the cross. We're nothing more than the same religious crowd that brung this adulterous woman in front of God and everybody and threw her down in the midst and began to say, let's stone her. The Bible says we can stone her. Moses said we can stone her. Oh boy, she deserves to be stoned because of without Jesus... You and I are nothing. Now I want you to notice some things here. People end up being Pharisees all the time. Someone put together a list of warnings that you are becoming a Pharisee, whether you realize it or not. It said, you might be a Pharisee if everyone outside your immediate circle and most within it are always wrong. But you're always right. You might be a Pharisee if God's still small voice sounds just like yours. You might be a Pharisee if you know the word of God, but not the God of the word. You see, there's some warning lights going off in these verses that I want to point out to you today. The Pharisees of Jesus' day, they had started out wanting to please God. I would say that everyone that is a born-again believer of Jesus that your journey in life when you come to the knowledge of Jesus, it is to please God. I, I, I doubt if there's anyone here today that started their journey with Jesus and they said, I want to start my journey with him, but I don't want to please him at all. I want to be a complete enemy of him. That's not how we start our journey. When we get born again and filled with the Holy Ghost of God, we want more and more of Jesus and to please Him, to be pleasant to Him, that when He looks down upon us, that He smiles. We want that in our lives. And the Pharisees, they had started out on their journey with God, wanting to please God. They began in a day when Israel was deeply tainted with immorality and unrighteousness. Somebody needed to stand in the gap. And the Pharisees stepped up to fill that gap. Some leaders had to arise up and point the people back to God. And that's where they started at. They started at a place where they were actually doing the will of God and helping people and showing them the law and teaching them the scriptures and lifting them up before God and bringing the nation back to where it needed to be. They filled the gap. It was an era where many Jews had abandoned the rules and the laws of God. The vision had been thrown away. The people were running wild. They had no vision of God. They had no laws of God. They were just doing their own thing. Hello, America. And the Pharisees, they became like prophets. They began to stand up and they began to point people back to the law of Moses. They began to point people back to the obedience of God's will. They began to point people back to God. 
They wanted more than anything to obey him. They wanted more than anything to serve him. They wanted to teach his rules, his commands, and they wanted the people to know. And if God wasn't clear enough on a subject, they went an extra step. If God wasn't clear enough, they said, we'll create a whole bunch of new commands just to make sure they covered it all. They were the equivalent of many churchgoers today that seriously want to please Jesus. Seriously want to please Him. These Pharisees were the religious people of the day. They took their faith seriously. And what I want to stress here is the Pharisees did not set out to make God angry. They did not set out to be who they had become to be. They did not set out to to be the type of people that they became. They did not wake up one morning and think, today is today that I'm going to make God mad. Today is the day that I am going to make some... They didn't set out to do that. But in doing what they were doing, they began to make God angry. Why? What had they gotten so wrong that they actually made God furious? In our text this morning, it pulls out some things, some traps, some issues that they begin to have within them that cause God to be furious with them. And this morning, I want you to know that these warning lights that are flashing off this page, if we're not careful, and if you're not careful, and if I'm not careful, it can happen to any one of us. We can come to a point that we forget that without Jesus that we are nothing. We can come to a point and forget that without the blood of the cross and without the sacrifice, you and I, we have absolutely nothing to stand on. But thank God, on the hill of Calvary, the ground is level. We all stand in the same place. Sinners born again by the blood of Jesus. The old saying is the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Three things I want to give you this morning. The first thing is this. The Pharisees saw their rules as really important. And in doing that, people became unimportant. They saw their rules as very important. But in doing that, the people became unimportant. When the Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus, they had no concern about her. A rule had been broken. She had to be exposed. And in all reality, they had no intention of really stoning her at all. What they had intention was this. They wanted to get Jesus in a spot. 
They wanted to get Jesus in a spot to where he would either go against Rome or he would go against the law of Moses. They wanted to catch him in a place to where they could have some accusation against him. They wanted so that they could uh, 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 make the people see that he's either against Rome. And if he's against Rome, the Romans would come get him. If he's against the law of Moses, then the people would depart from him. So in doing that, they found a rule that was broken. They found a rule that was broken. They bring this woman in front of Jesus. And they were questioning him as a trap in order to accuse him. You see, the Pharisees, they were right in their accusation. This woman had been caught in adultery and the law did decree that she should die. Every Jewish rabbi would have known that. That was not something that they hid in the back of the book. That was not something that they, that they hid and didn't teach on. That was a very real law, a very real teaching subject. Uh, but like I said earlier, when the Roman Empire conquered uh, Jerusalem, it was their call. They could call death not the Jews they needed permission so if Jesus would say stone the woman the Pharisees reported to the Jews but if Jesus would have said because of the Roman I mean if Jesus would have said she's okay then they would have said look at here he teaches against the law of Moses this is a perfect trap for Jesus but what I want you to notice about the Pharisees is they did not care at all about this lady. They didn't care about Jesus. In their minds, both of them had broken their rules. Both of them needed to be destroyed. Let me say this this morning. If you begin to love rules more than you love people, if rules and regulations become a top issue with you and how what people are going through, how people feel, if that becomes second level, then there is a light that I want to shine on you this morning that is a warning. When people become less to you and the do's and the don'ts become more to you, then you are at risk of becoming a Pharisee and you are at risk of becoming a religious person that does not keep the law of Jesus. Hey, hey, the law of Moses is good. Jesus said it was good, but I think I'll just stick with Jesus because I know that I cannot keep the law of Moses myself. How can I expect you to? All across America today, we are divided. And we are divided over rules. Our churches are divided over rules. We need to get back to where we look toward Jesus. He's got the answers. I, I'll just stick with the man that's in the middle. The man named Jesus. They saw people as unimportant. I've seen this happen in many churches today. I've seen this happen across our country 
And it's not a problem here, thank God. But I want to give you a warning that if we begin to look at rule books overlooking at people's lives, we are at risk of becoming a religious Pharisee. If we begin to point out sins and not point out our own sins, we are at risk of becoming a religious Pharisee. If we begin to look at people and say, you're not good enough, we are at risk of becoming a religious Pharisee. If we begin uh, to look at other people's sins while we sweep ours under the rug, we are at risk of becoming a religious Pharisee. Understand today, people are people and they need Jesus. Black, white, red, yellow, they need Jesus. They need the blood of Jesus. They're sinners just like you and me and need to be saved. I don't care if they're black. I don't care if they're white. I don't care if they're homosexual. I don't care if they're drunkards. I don't care if they're harlots. They need Jesus. They need him. We was having a great talking men's meeting yesterday. Most people won't come to the house of God today because the house of God has become a house of judgment. We judge people before they come through the doors. We judge them when they walk through the doors. We judge their lifestyle. And if their lifestyle doesn't match up with our lifestyle, then automatically we think something's wrong with them. Maybe something's wrong with us. Maybe something's wrong with us. You know why? Because I knew most of you and you all know my story. We all have got a past that we are trying to let go of and a future we're all trying to get to. And if I keep bringing up your past, you'll never get to your future. The house of God is a house. It begins, the judgment begins at the house of God. I understand that. But this also is a house of encouragement I need and you need and we need to lift people up to Jesus. We need to get them to Jesus. It's more important than anything that we get them to Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. I'll just get them to Jesus. The Pharisees started out wanting to get a nation back to God. I believe the church has started out wanting to do that. But somewhere down the line, it began to have a list of rules and regulations that everybody's got to meet. You've got to eat like me, dress like me, look like me. And if you're anything different from me, you're wrong and I'm right. And I believe that is a curse on the house of God today. I believe churches across this nation, I believe we need revival more than... But I. You know why we read? Because most of the church people need to get their hearts right today. I knew that was going to be a quiet one, but it's the truth. We need to get our hearts right and look back toward Jesus and say, Jesus, the lady on the corner is just as important as the president of the United States. She's just as important when it comes to needing Jesus. The poor is just as important as the rich when it comes to needing Jesus. The Pharisees started out that way, but somewhere down the line, they turned. They turned.
trying to choose my words wisely this morning. But if there's... There's not a pew in this place today is not filled with a sinner. There's not a... You say, are you talking about my pew? I'm talking about your pew. I'm talking about my pew. I'm ta- There's not a pulpit in America that's not filled with a sinner. There's not a deacon board today that's not filled with a sinner. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. The grace that He gave my life is no better than the grace that He gave your life, and it's vice versa. We're saved by the same grace. It's the same Savior. It's the same blood. He did the same thing. He reached down in the mire of your sin and pulled you out of it by the grace of God. And He reached down in the mire of my sin and pulled me out of it by the grace of God. And every day I wake up and I try my best to live a holy and separated life. But guess what? I'm still wrapped in the thing called flesh and I find myself battling this thing. And sometimes I fail. Sometimes you fail. The Pharisees forgot how important people are because they swept all their sins under a rug. You know what I always find comical but sad? It's always sin until it gets in your family. You ever notice people will call sin out until it gets in their family. And then all of a sudden their mouths get really quiet. It's sin until it's your daughter that's pregnant at a wedlock at 16. Oh, it's sin until it, and then, but then all of a sudden nobody says anything about that anymore. It's sin until it's your son, his computer, popping up things that should not be on there. We know where I'm going with that. It's sin until it's yours. And then it's all of a sudden it's... The Pharisees begin to sweep all their sins under the rug and begin to look at everybody else's. They forgot people. Church, we cannot afford to forget people. God is a lover of people. He's a lover of people. He died for people. Because He knew people had been placed in bondage by Satan. And he came to break us out of bondage. He came so that we could get back to God. I believe in living a holy life. I believe we are to be separated and live closest to God. This is no license to sin this morning. If you're thinking that, then you need to get your heart right with God because that's not what it is. It is this though. When people's when our rules become more important than their soul, we've got problems. 
most people won't come to church because of that very judgment and the hypocrisy that runs rampant in them. Hypocrisy. Not here, praise God. Other places I've been. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You can, it's okay to laugh. It's okay. We can't forget how important the souls of men are. The Bible says that those who win souls are wise. I don't need to get people so much in a pew. I need to get them to the cross. Because if I can get them to a cross, they'll come to a pew. Somebody say amen one more time. If I can get them to the cross, they'll come to a pew. It comes natural. When you go to Calvary, you'll find yourself in a pew, in a chair, in a temple, in a center. You'll find yourself in God's house when you go to the cross. We need to be getting them to the cross. And rules will never get them to a cross. She may have not got to the cross yet. Get her to the cross. Get her to the cross. Did you hear about so and so? He got arrested the other day. DUI. He hasn't been to the cross yet. Get him to the cross. Quit talking about him. Get him to the cross. Get him to the cross. Get him to the cross. If you'll get him to the cross, everything will change. If you'll get him to Jesus. Did you hear about this adulterous woman? We caught her in the act of it. So we drug her and threw her in the middle of a crowd and pointed our fingers at her. I'm glad Jesus was there. Get her to the cross. Get her to the cross. Number two this morning. Not only did they forget how important people were, but watch this. The second issue. Their agendas became God's agenda. At least in their minds. In other words... Instead of not my will, but your will be done. The Pharisees, the religious people were saying, God, not your will, but my will be done. God's will became their will. You need to understand this this morning. The Jews saw Jesus as a enemy of their God. Their God was on their side. And so anyone who opposed them was opposing their God. Now, this can happen to anyone if we're not careful. The warning lights will flash if we're, if we're not 
careful. It can happen to preachers. It can happen to elders. It can happen to deacons. It can happen to Sunday school teachers. It can happen to ushers. It can happen to any Christian, any born-again believer. It doesn't matter what office you hold. If you hold one, if you don't, it can happen to anyone. You can end up making Jesus your enemy by substituting your agenda for his agenda. Another word, oh, help me, God. If you're not careful, you won't even know that it's happening. You won't even know what you have done. You won't even know that all of a sudden it's not no longer God's will, but it is whatever I will or whatever I say, whatever I think. It's no longer about what God has to say about it. It is about what the preacher has to say about it or the deacon's got to say about it or the church warmer's got to say about it. It begins your will. Instead of God's will. The Pharisees had got to a place to where it was their will be done. If they didn't like it, they changed it. If they didn't have a law against it, they made it. Let me give you an example that I think can touch the hearts of a lot of people today. It would be like this. Me having some of our men stand at the back doors and as you approach, do a look around, turn around to make sure you qualify to come in. And as long as you qualify, you can come in. But if you don't qualify, they turn you around and say, not today. Who in the world would say that would be the will of God? It would be the will of God for somebody to be turned away from the house of God because of their dress, their smell, their whatever. Pharisees had gotten this thing wrong, but they didn't start out that way. They didn't start out that way. There is one symptom of this dangerous attitude, and it should be like a road sign lighting up in our face that says, don't go there. And what is the symptom of becoming like a Pharisee, let me say this. When you get mad over anything that does not have your name on it, you, you may be in danger of this. When people aren't listening to you and your opinion you feel like is being ignored and all of a sudden you cannot take it and you blow up, you may be in danger. This ought to be lighting up in your face. Things that aren't going your way. Uh, just because it's not your way, let me promise you today, it, it does not mean that it's not God's way. Just because everything in your life doesn't go, it does not mean it's not God's way. This can happen at a church, it can happen at a family, this can happen in your home, this can happen at work, this can happen anywhere. 
when your agenda is always the right agenda and others always have to be wrong and, 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 and it makes you so mad. If you don't get paid attention to, it's a, it's a sign, it's a danger that, that there's a possibility that in your mind you are becoming a religious Pharisee. The first thing they got wrong was they began to realize, begin to think that rules were more important than the people. The second thing they began in their own minds make God's will their will or make their will God, make God's will their will. God had to do what they said. And here's the third thing. The Pharisees believed their sins could be covered as long as they kept the rules they were making. They felt that if they kept enough rules, that would make them look good, even if they really wasn't good. They would look good, and looking good would be enough to cover up the bad that nobody's seen in their lives. Jesus condemned them by saying, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look, look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Matthew 23, verses 27 through 28. Jesus looked at him and said, Whoa. Just like a tombstone, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of rotten, dead, stinky flesh. That's powerful. The Pharisees had convinced themselves that as long as they looked good on the outside, that was just as good as being good on the inside. In magic, we call that the art of misdirection. A good magician will fool you by getting you to look at the right hand while he's doing something with the left hand. But all your attention will be over here, looking at the right hand. He's slipping something down his sleeve. I don't know. I'm not a magician. But a good one will have you going, how in the world did he do that? All he done was get you to look over here. Why he done it over there. Jesus said, y'all are good at making people look over here. But I know what's going on in there.
He says they can fool you by getting you to think one thing and doing something else. And that's what happens to people who become like the religious Pharisees. They fool themselves into thinking that obeying certain rules, that this, that this is just as good as being righteous before God. But let me tell you today that there is nothing, nothing that can wash away your sin except the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no goods that can outweigh the bads. There is no weighing scale at the end of life. It is very simple. Have you been to Calvary or have you not been to Calvary? 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about the Pharisee syndrome. It says this, If I can speak with tongues and of angels and have no love in my heart, then I am nothing. If I go to church every Sunday and I don't show love, I have nothing. If I give all my money to the poor, but I really don't love them, then I have nothing. If I teach Sunday school or I work, if, if I work around the church and do all the things that nobody else would do, but I don't do it with love, I am nothing. That's what Paul's trying to get across to us today. That's what the Spirit of God's trying to get across to us today. That you can get everything else right. You can have all your Christian ducks in a row. But if you don't love people, if you don't love their soul, then you are not doing doing yourself any favors, you are annoying God. People who try to live by rules and think that's going to get God's attention by keeping the rules are only fooling themselves. They don't realize that God can hear the rattle of sin that they're trying to hide. And the Pharisees, uh, they could not get this right. They love the rules. But they disliked the people who broke the rules. Now here's my last point this morning. And we're done. Look with me at verse number 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. This wasn't even enough to make him look at him. He just continued to doodle. I don't know what he was writing. I always wonder, was he writing in the dirt? Grace, forgiven, I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. He gives us all a good point. Every one of us are rule breakers. He looked at the Pharisees and said, every one of you are rule breakers. He said, he that is without sin, let you throw the first stone. 
Every one of us. Most of us have broken a law since we pulled up in the parking lot. He says, so you that are, you cast the first stone. And he stoops back down and he continues to write again. Now watch this. Notice what he says to this woman in the story. Let's pick up in verse 9. And when they heard it, becoming convicted of their conscience, they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. You've got to picture this with me, because this is the way I, just, I read the Bible this way, and I believe... They're all scattered around. I can imagine there's a crowd, a mob. They all got these big rocks. I mean, they didn't throw pebbles. They, 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 they threw rocks until they died. One after one, they pounded somebody with a rock. When we were kids, we threw rocks at one little rocks. And they hurt really bad when they hit you. Anybody been hit with a rock that hurt really bad? Yeah, yeah, they hurt. Well, and these are not little gravel rocks. These are big Palestinian huge Boulder rocks they pick up and they bash these people with. As they're laying there, help. There's no defending that. You cannot defend a hundred people hitting you with a rock. There's no defense mechanism. You can lay there and you can get in a fetal position. You can, but the rock is still going to hurt. So all these men are gathered and women, and they're got these big rocks. They even let the kids throw rocks. They, they, they got their kids involved. Hey, we're going to stone somebody today. Yeah! They'd all run, grab a rock. We get to stone somebody today. Woohoo! They grab rocks and, they'd all, and they're gathered around. And it said, by their conscience, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God begins to deal with the religious crowd right here. The conscience is, is, is God deals with us through our conscience. You know that, right? God, God works in that way. And all of a sudden, God begins to deal with all these religious people. And they're getting ready. I mean, they gather. And it says, from the oldest to the youngest. I can imagine. They probably mad. Why has he always got to do that? Here I was getting ready to stone this woman because she deserves it. And she did. But why has Jesus got to say that? Jesus said, you that's without it, you throw the first stone. From the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their rocks. And when Jesus heard no more rocks hitting the ground, that's what I believe. He just waited till he heard the last rock hit. Dunk. I spent a few minutes. I can raise up now. Look at verse 10. Jesus, then he raised himself up and he saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And notice what she calls him. She said, No one, Lord. 
And Jesus said to her, Neither do I. Go your way. Sin no more. And then Jesus spoke to them again. See, there's two crowds there this day. There was a religious crowd, and then there was there those that were there to hear what Jesus was teaching. Don't forget about those that were there listening to Jesus. He looks at them and says, I'm about to have a fit. That's you and that's me that are still there after the religious crowd's gone. He looks at them and says, He says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I'm the light of the world. He who follows me. They won't walk in darkness. Jesus could have condemned her. But instead, he loved her. During that course of loving her, she says, Lord, to him. That Lord is capitalized. That is not a little case. Well, that's a capital L. He tells her to go her way, sin no more. So I'm going to give you a few things, and then I'm done, I promise you. He does not give her an excuse for her sin. He tells her to sin no more. But he gives her compassion during her sin. There's a difference. There's a difference. He was compassionate to her during her sin. During her accusers. During everything that went on, he showed her compassion and love and grace. Let us never forget in this house that before you were here, you were in a crowd that was about to stone you. Before I was here, I was in a crowd that was about to stone me. It was a crowd of this world until Jesus walked up and said, he who's without sin, you cast the first stone. And he picked me up. Jesus did not condemn her. But he teaches us a valuable lesson here about watching ourselves before we become a religious Pharisee. When people become less important and our rules become more important, we're in danger. There's a light that's got to go off. It's flashing. When people become less important, when our rules become so important, he says, repent, stop what you're doing and follow me because if you follow me, you'll be in the light. Here's the deal. 
Each and every one of us are called to pick up our cross daily and follow him. That means that we must die to our sins. That's what Romans 6 points out. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? God forbid. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or you don't know... uh, you don't know that all of us who were baptized in Christ were baptized, uh, it was baptized into death. We were therefore buried with him through our baptism into death in order that Christ be raised in us. Romans 6. Unless we come to Jesus wanting to die to our past, we cannot be forgiven. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness. That doesn't mean that uh, uh, you're not going to sin anymore. That doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. But it does mean this. It means that you are covered by the blood of Jesus. And your past is forgiven. Our goal, church, is to get them to Jesus. And I want to speak to you this morning that may have not been to Jesus. I want to speak to you this morning that may have been having problems after problems and you've got issues after issues and you've tried to quit. You've been to AA. You've been to this. You've been to that. You've been to this. You're struggling with this. You don't know what to do with this. You've tried, you've tried, and you keep breaking the rules and things don't keep working out. Let me just encourage you. Just come to Jesus. You come to Jesus. He'll take care of the rules. Just come to Jesus. Preacher, they're talking about me. You don't understand. They, the world says this about me. The world, Just come to Jesus. I don't care what the world says about you. You come to Jesus and you follow him and he guarantees you you'll walk in the light and not in darkness if you'll just come to Jesus. You stand this morning all across this building. Maybe you're here this morning you say, Preacher, there's some lights that have been going off in my mind that I've forgotten how important people are. Maybe you need to come and say, God, I have almost become a religious Pharisee. I'm I'm almost there. People have become less important, but all my rules, they have become super important. Maybe that's you this morning. You need to come to Jesus. Maybe you're one of the ones that have been brought in front of the crowd and you've been called out by your sin. And maybe you just maybe you just need to come to Jesus. Quit looking at what everybody else says and look at what God has to say. God's the one that matters. Look toward Jesus. Because I guarantee you this, I don't care what you've done in your life. You listen to me now. I don't care where you're at today. I don't care what you done last night. And I don't care who you done it with last night. I promise you this. If you'll come to Jesus today, He will accept you just as you are. But when you get up, He will tell you just like He told the woman, sin no more. 
sin no more. I accept you in your condition, but sin no more. In other words, he told her, don't go right back to doing what you was doing. Do you need to come this morning? Let's bow for prayer. Our Father, God in heaven, in the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves in your great presence this day. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you would accept a rotten, wretched person just like me. God, when my accusers stand around me and they want to point their crooked fingers at me and say, you've compromised, you've moved from this to that, you're no longer this, I'm glad that I stand with you and there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Father, for that one this morning that feels like their past has just got them so messed up. I ask you today, God, that you deal with their conscience, deal with their hearts. God, that they would know that there's no condemnation in you. They just need to come to you. For those that the dashboard is lit up this morning, that God, they see themselves becoming a rule person where rules are so important and people are not. God, help us to always look at others with compassion, knowing that God is a God of hope and love and care. He can take the rottenness worst and save them from the guttermost to the uttermost. Help us never to forget the transformation that you can provide in a person's life. Help us to be the light. Help a dark world to see Jesus in us. God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Speak to hearts, change lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If there's a need in this house...
sense in my spirit that God is just dealing with some people today. And I don't know who it is or what it is 